So we've been teasing you with the situation over at the Rhino, but today we're going to hear the conclusion of those events and find out what really went down. Vincent was there in the back room of the Rhino, talking with stripper Mount Lee. He was asking about the strip club manager, Sonny Boy. And Bob was following along, watching wannabe criminals, Max and Trevor. Let's start with them, just as they're deciding to continue their conversation with Puppet and Spider, in a place that's a bit more private. We went in there, man. We took care of that shit. Now you want everything? Guys, I'm having trouble hearing you. Let's go into the bathroom for a minute. I don't want to let any of these fools hear too much. Puppet and Spider stand up first, then Trevor. They start walking towards the bathroom, and finally Max stands up with the black bag. The Mexicans swing open the men's bathroom door, and the four of them walk in. Max begrudgingly. Bob, seeing all of this, follows them to the hallway near the bathroom and parks himself there for a moment, trying to listen. He realizes he can't hear anything and decides to wait it out in his car. Inside the bathroom, Puppet quickly looks under the stall doors to make sure there are no occupants. scene at the stone residence john said goodbye to stacy on the phone and opened the door to our italian thugs mickey and ronnie who invited themselves inside guys come on you can't just show up here the name john it's so common people don't tend to think of it as biblical john is standing in the corner of the room uncomfortably why don't you sit down ronnie says after all It's your house, isn't it? Guys, I've been meaning to call you. I was, uh... You were, weren't you? You were looking for us, huh? Maybe you couldn't find us, Mickey. We're tucked away and all. It's a big city, you know. I got my dealerships to run, guys. You know that. Did you make an underlying threat to Vincent on the phone yesterday? Where I come from? That shit'll get you killed. Whoa, boys. No. No, I was just stating a fact. Talking business. You were, huh? We've given you a tremendous amount of room to breathe here, John. Both parties were benefiting, John. And now you try to cut us out? Take away our piece of the action? Remember when it was you that came to us for help? No, no. It's not like that. I just wanted to make sure it was, uh all buttoned up before I brought you guys in. Johnny boy, our little Christian John, if you take too many steps in the wrong direction, I don't know what's going to happen. You might slip and fall. A new venture could have consequences. You know that, right? Boys, it's finished. It's done. Nah, we're going to decide when it's finished. What we're going to do is ask you to sit tight, John. Do not do the thing you were thinking about doing. Huh? No. No, I won't. We know you won't. Because you can't anymore. This goes deeper than you or me, John. 
Your time is running out. Five, four, three, two, one. Here come the cops. You're going to jail for a long time. Safe cracker. This game sucks. Let me play. Safe cracker. Safe cracked. The first one's always easy. What's the matter? Shaky hands. Alarm activated. I still have time. Safe cracked. Take the gold, gold, silver, personal documents. You can only carry one more. Diamonds! That's how it's done, man. Safe cracker! Get the gold or die trying. One of the boy's dads comes into the living room. Max, dinner's ready. Trevor, your parents working late again? You wanna join us? Back at the Rhino, the bathroom door closes behind the four men now having their discussion in the bathroom. Max, Trevor, Puppet, and Spider. Trevor is still intent on convincing Puppet and Spider that they deserve to keep most of the loot from the safe. Okay guys, here's the deal. Puppet is facing Max, and Spider is facing Trevor, both directly in front of the two bathroom stalls. The Mexicans simultaneously push Max and Trevor back against the stall doors and pull out switchblade knives. Just as they're about to make shish kebabs out of these nincompoops, the bathroom door bursts open as Sonny, the rhino manager, runs in, holding his nose, searching for a paper towel to stop the bleeding. Puppet and Spider immediately lower their blades and tuck them into their pockets. Sonny, clearly distracted, begins to wipe the blood from his face. Max and Trevor see their opportunity and hightail it out of there. They bolt out of the bathroom and out the club door, knowing they were just seconds away from a grisly end. Puppet and Spider, still in the bathroom, pick up the black bag off the floor and proceed to leave. You may not have thought Stacy and Johnstone's relationship carried any weight. He was a married man, of course. Stacy, a much younger Hollywood actress. But Stacy really did care for him. And they were together for more than a year. When she learned of John's death, Stacy dealt with it in her own way. And Rachel was right there alongside her.
Stacy, with teary eyes, hangs up the phone and walks over to Rachel, sitting on the couch. The news of John's death on the TV playing quietly. She takes a deep breath as if she's composed. Then she breaks out in tears. Oh, Rachel. I'm sorry, Stace. Rachel hugs her and comforts her. He was my everything. He always said we would be together. Oh, Stacy. How could he do this to me? Um, I gave him two years of my 20s. It was more like a year. I can't get those back, you know. I waited for him, and I waited, and he... John always took care of me. He watched out for me. He was the sweetest guy. <laughs> Rachel hugs and consoles Stacy, then takes her hand. You know, Stacy, when my dad died, my whole world fell apart. I was crushed. He gave my life so much meaning. I didn't know if I could go on, really. It's hard, honey. But you'll be okay, Stacy. You're beautiful. You're young. You're going to be a famous actress. You'll move on. You really think so? Of course. You know, when he told me he loved me, it was one of those perfect Santa Monica evenings. The sun was setting, and everything just felt right. Here's what really happened. John, this isn't going to work out. I'm not looking for anything serious right now. I love you. You do? And we... We were good together, Rach. Kick it back to me, baby. Let's do this. Sonny, operator of the Rhino Strip Club, is driving a maroon Cadillac. He's whistling and nodding his head to a disco song. Let it sting you. He sees a pretty girl walking down the street and says, Hey, baby, come on over here a second. She scoffs and walks away. He continues grooving and eventually pulls into the Rhino parking lot. He gets out of the car and approaches the back entrance where three strippers are gathered smoking. The girls lower their heads and clearly are not excited to see him. Janelle, why the fuck did you leave yesterday before I had a chance to talk to you? The other two girls throw their cigarettes on the ground and head inside. I saw that dance. You gotta perform for the whole crowd. Not just one guy who happens to be your boyfriend. This week. Sonny, I wasn't doing nothing. I was watching. And if you want to keep fucking dancing for me, you better learn to take some fucking criticism. She shakes her head and runs inside. Asshole. Sonny stands there a moment, straightens his suit, and walks in, nodding and whistling his song. All right, all right. Another shift at the Dream Factory. Just as Sonny walks into the club, Vincent grabs him by the collar and pulls him into the back room. He pushes him up against the wall, and they start talking nose to nose. There you are. I was waiting for you. So you like picking on girls, huh, Sonny? Whoa, Vinny. Where are you getting all this from? 
You know what you did, Sonny Boy. Vinny, I never touched a girl that didn't want me touching her. I swear to God. Yeah, I bet you didn't, asshole. You know what these girls been telling me? Come on, Vinny. They're fucking strippers. They like to complain, you know? Everyone's against them. It's what they do. So you're not treating these girls like dogs? Well, uh, I I got my own management style, Vin. I know what works. You know what works. I'll show you what works. Vincent takes Sonny's head and bashes his face against the wall. Sonny screams, touches his nose, and looks at it, and then runs out the room. Vincent shakes his head, then calmly walks out. He crosses the main dance area, looking around as people approach Sonny. Sonny, are you alright? Someone says. He heads towards the bathroom. Puppet and Spider were sent to the Rhino by their boss, Loza. We've heard just a little bit about the Mexicans involved in this story and how they were working with the Italians. Now, let's visit them just before Puppet and Spider scared Max and Trevor over at the Rhino. Local leader Loza is walking into his gang's warehouse, headed towards his office. As he enters, he notices several guys glued to the TV. You know, we're fighting for our fucking turf out there. Fighting to stay relevant. Staking our future on a deal we could very well lose. And yet, when I look around, I see my crew, my familia, perched in front of the TV like a bunch of little birdies. Maybe those grease balls are right. Hey, sorry, Loza. We were digging holes for the new fence, but then Gordo here was talking about this Bobbit shit and we just didn't believe him. It's fucking local, man. Who the fuck is Bobbit, Gordo? You know, Bobbit. The girl that cut her man's dick off. Man, if any punt ever tried that shit on me, I would ice that bitch in a second. Wait a minute. That shit actually happened? I thought that just made up. Yeah, Loza. She really did it. She cut that dude's dick off and threw it out her car window. I hear doctors gave that dude a horse cock. Another man walks in and approaches Loza. Uh, hey Loza, we may have a situation here. What is it? Well, uh, I don't know how to say this, but Arturo is outside. Wants to talk to you. Says he has something for you. Are you fucking kidding me? Shit, this can't be good. Okay guys, get the fuck up now. Grab some heat and be ready. Gordo, you packing? You know it. Okay, you're with me. Let's go. No one does anything, I mean anything, unless I do it first. Loza and Gordo walk outside, coming to a stop next to a finely dressed Mexican man. He's smoking a cigarette and leaning against his lemon yellow Mercedes. Arturo, what can I do for you? Ran into a problem. I need you to fix it. What kind of problem? Arturo flicks his cigarette and opens the trunk of his car. Inside is a dead body. What the fuck, Arturo? What are you thinking, bringing a fucking dead body to this place in broad daylight? He scratched my car. Your car? Listen, Arturo, this isn't Mexico. You can't go around killing people for no reason. People will notice this type of shit, especially if some white dude goes missing. 
No reason? Are you saying my car is no big deal? Arturo, I'm just saying, maybe next time you beat the guy up a bit with the fear of God in him before decide to put bullets in his chest. So you're not going to help me? We'll help you. Arturo grabs the body out of the trunk and drops it at Loza's feet. He gets in the car and speeds off. Loud dance music is pouring out his windows. Fuck, Loza. This guy is seriously going to mess our shit up one of these days. Sometimes the road to hell is covered in roses, Gordo. Puppet and Spider walk out of the warehouse. Hey, Loza. Me and Spider have to run that errand for you. Oh, shit. Who the fuck is this? Don't worry about this mess. Just be careful out there and get it done. Remember, come right back here and keep it quiet. We got this shit, Loza. Gordo, get the others, grab a car from round back, take a drive to the desert, and don't stop until you hit the state line. Outside the rhino, Puppet and Spider are getting in their car with the black bag. Spider gets in the driver's seat and starts the car. Damn, homie. In and out of there like it was no big deal. Should have finished those fucking paras. Can't leave any loose ends. What are we going to do about our Italian friends? Vincent is in the background, walking to his car as the Mexicans start driving. Vincent starts his car and pulls out of the rhino parking lot, following them from a distance. The Mexicans are cruising. Spider is rolling a blunt, steering the car with his knees. Puppet, over in the passenger seat, opens the top of the black bag, taking a peek inside. Spider looks down at his blunt, then up. What the fuck? He sees a guy in the middle of the road, waving him down. Spider can't do much else but slow the car. The man lifts his head up and it's Ronnie. A moment later, Mickey pops out from the side and shoots Puppet in the head. Then he shoots Spider. The car is slowly rolling as Mickey reaches inside the window, grabs the black bag from dead Puppet and walks back towards Vincent, who is parked just up the road. Ronnie opens the driver's side door, pushes Spider across the seat, and takes the wheel and drives away. While Ronnie dumps the car in a dark spot, Vinny picks up Mickey and drives out to meet with Ronnie. They don't say anything as Vinny pulls a U-turn and heads back in the direction of the Rhino. Just as they're pulling into the Rhino parking lot, they pass Bob in his car. Vincent, Mickey, and Ronnie stare down Bob, and Bob stares right back at them. Vincent has a slightly confused look on his face, almost like he remembers him from somewhere.
By 1994, the condition of the Rhino Strip Club had reached an all-time low. The neon pink trim had faded to a subtle beige. The doors, windows, and even the road sign advertising two-for-one happy hour and all-you-can-eat spaghetti Tuesdays had all but withered under the California sun. Somehow, during one of the most severe droughts in the state's history, the roof lay slightly concave and stained. The once classy establishment, a place where movie execs and producers could blow off steam, had given way to small-time hustlers, nine-to-five blue-collar types, and washed-up Hollywood men of yesteryear. All the real talent had moved to the San Fernando Valley, attempting to become stars the hard way. When Vincent first took over, it seemed to be a breath of fresh air. The rules got tighter, and the foot traffic increased. However, when the initial estimates for the roof landed on his desk, and after tallying up all the other costs associated with running a failing business, he did what any self-respecting crook would do. He figured out a way to skim money off the top and let the place fall to pieces, forgoing building codes and health concerns. He knew at any point a good old building fire would put an end to all the headaches and even pad his pockets a little. He did have a fondness for the women who worked there, but not in the sense you would think. When Safari needed $200 for an abortion, Vincent put the bill. When Exotica needed bail money for her mom, Vincent was there to lend a hand. When old Mount Lee jumped back on the H train, Vincent made sure she spent some time at a respectable facility. One would think the events that took place outside the Rhino would have been the nail on the coffin for such an establishment. But in actuality, the attention that it garnered in the news was a blessing in disguise. Soon afterwards, more low-life thugs began to visit, knowing full well their shady antics would go unnoticed. Remember PCO, our plainclothes officer? The guy who was interrogating Mr. John Stone. He's been living and breathing this case for a while, and it's brought him to some unexpected places. Here, PCO is with Bob, our PI of all people, in the dark of the night, in the middle of the woods, lit up by their car headlights. A stiff body lies beside them, and they're digging a grave. This must feel like old times, am I right? PCO says to Bob. You can't be serious. Oh, come on. You mean to tell me you don't have any secrets buried in these hills? An old-timer like yourself? Surely only made it through because of the loose ends that were put to sleep out here. I hate to burst your bubble, pal, but I survived because I showed up, worked my beat, and went home. I stayed away from all the bullshit. I saw many people lose their way, and most of them aren't around to talk about it. Bob drops his shovel and steps out of the shallow grave. 
He takes a swig from the bottle resting on the hood and lights a cigarette. Hey, man, you might want to slow it down a bit. We still got a lot of ways to go here. I know what I'm doing. Listen, this isn't exactly how I envision my night going either. PCO grabs a bottle from Bob and takes a drink. Look, I'm sorry, all right? I'm not trying to pry. Frankly, I'm just running through all the possibilities in my head, trying to figure out how to make the best of this dead Guido lying beside us. You want to know what's got to me? What's really turning up the heat? What? About 17 years ago, I wasn't too far from here. Only we weren't digging, we were excavating. Several people in this area had started to go missing. A report would come in about an abandoned vehicle. Several days later, the owner of the car would end up on our missing persons report. I spent months driving up and down these roads looking for suspects. We got word someone had been impersonating an officer. An entire summer passed by, nothing. One day, this disheveled looking kid comes into the station, tells us he knows something about these missing people. He's looking for some reward money, of course. Knows the make and the model of all the cars, too. So we press him, we come up dry. The next day, another kid comes in, tells us he knows where the bodies are buried. Now we're getting anxious. Two kids, two separate days, saying they know something about this. Wow. Who would have thought this old shoe would really open up? Well, I can't say I'm surprised. Guys like Bob are just brimming with repressed memories and emotions. What's important for Bob is not the whys, but the hows. How did he get roped into this circus surrounding John's death? How long can he keep up the pace before his age starts to show? How come I'm the one doing most of the damn digging? Let's do this. You got this, Sonny. It's your night. Oh yeah, twisted, earn it. Thanks for following us. You can always find us on Anchor. That's anchor.fm forward slash survive in LA. Our Twitter is at how to survive LA. In the upcoming episodes, we've got titillating action and plenty of laughs. So whether you're young or old, it's never too late to learn how to survive in L.A. Survive in L.A.